Welcome in, everybody. This is the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Starr. We've got Jesse Blancard here uh, from Basketball Insiders. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? Doing well. Uh, we have some interesting basketball for sure. Crazy things happening, and this offseason is get even crazier. Um, we'll get to the most foundational thing in Suns history that happened last night later, um, but we'll uh, start with some playoff stuff. What have you thought about this uh, conference round so far? Um, so far, I find it to be interesting. I thought the Cavaliers would be more competitive so far, but Boston really is showing themselves to have the personnel to take down LeBron and his band of buddies. So um, I'm surprised at how well Boston has looked. I mean, I like, obviously, their young wings, the athleticism they have on the perimeter and the versatility they have on both ends of the court. But uh, I did not expect them to be this dominant so far against Cleveland. And I'm looking forward to Game 2 of Houston and uh, and Golden State. I think the Houston was over-reliant on their isolation mismatch, mismatches in Game 1, so I'm looking for them to clean up some things on the defensive end and move the ball a little bit more on offense in Game 2. Yeah, it's interesting because for Houston, Golden State, for Houston, uh, the like isolation mismatches are good, and that's what you want to do, say, pick up basketball and stuff where you have a big mismatch and it actually matters, but everybody's so good in the NBA, a mismatch is only somewhat helpful, um, partially because post-ups, uh, which is probably half the mismatches other than hardened setbacks um, in general, uh, are less uh, helpful than spot-up threes when people move in the way the Warriors play. So it's like, does it get, get you out of the flow of the offense, or does it actually help you by um, having a mismatch? I definitely thought Boston wouldn't do this quite this well, but what is it, 40 million-ish um, on the bench with Hayward and Irving? Um, yeah. Uh, not even playing. I mean, I can't believe there there got to be a finals uh, finals favorite, maybe not a championship favorite next year. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, this LeBron team is looking weak as possible. Um, just because they can't close out. But I think that the Celtics definitely had the more better chance of not getting swept in the finals. What do you think the chances are of, of if Cleveland somehow advances, of them getting swept in the finals? Uh, I think that's a realistic possibility, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, I, I want a competitive finals. I don't, I don't want to see a sweep, whether it was Houston or Golden State versus Cleveland. But I think that's something that's in play if Cleveland finds a way to get into the finals. They just... You know, LeBron James is incredible. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But the the guys around him um, are solid at times, uh, and at other times they're almost it's like they're not even on the court. Yeah, they streaky. have no. I'm sorry. Very streaky. Very streaky. I mean, they first off they have no real defensive identity, and then a few times that they are consistently you know making an impact on defense. They're exerting a lot of energy. They're they're like they clearly have to be ramped up to do it. LeBron can't be taking plays off on defense, and it just doesn't last um, for 48 minutes. Uh, we saw in the third quarter, Boston got a little bit of life in them when they hit a couple shots. Mark Smart hit a three pointer. Rozier with a big dunk, and I at that point I didn't think there was any question that Boston was going to win at that point because Cleveland had given them, you know, pretty good effort up to that point and had done a good job of you know staying ahead and keeping pace and all that. But they, Boston, once they got that spark, I just didn't think Cleveland had another gear to get to, and I thought they would only decline as the game went on. Boston just has too much depth, too much athleticism, too much youth. Cleveland just doesn't have, I think, the personnel to keep up with Boston, which is, is stunning to me. And yet when you're when LeBron is LeBron or whoever GM he's working with 
is trying to create a roster around him. It makes sense the way he did it, which is to build veterans who know where to be and how to play in the playoffs. And that's how you build a, a team around someone that like LeBron, who does so much for you. But at some point, the, the athleticism matters and uh, effort matters, hunger to, to win. Well, everybody has hunger to win, but hunger to dive on the floor. Like, Marcus Smart is just a hame. He's a Tasmanian devil almost. It's crazy. And he's out there. It's crazy. It's just crazy what he's able to do out there. Um, I was thinking before the series started, this may have been the first time that the favorites to win the series at the beginning both didn't have home court in the conference finals. I thought that was maybe amazing, but now it seems like Boston's going to probably win, but we'll see. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but it's true. I, I almost, leading into game one, forgot. Like, I was kind of surprised when I, I turned on the game, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in Houston. Like, I, I just kind of, it just kind of didn't seem, it seems obvious that against Golden State, they're going to have home court advantage. So when I saw it in Houston, it was like a quick reminder, like, oh, yeah, like Houston had the best record in the NBA, but they, uh, the best regular season, but they still feel like a significant, underdog in the series, even though I think they're an incredibly talented team. And they lost home court already. Yes, they did. But I'm hoping game two, they, they kind of mix things up a little bit and get away from the isolation play. I mean, the isolation play works. James Harden was incredibly efficient in isolation, especially when they were able to switch Steph Curry onto him. But I just, I, I think you had mentioned it earlier. I think it kind of ices out the, the other uh, guys on the team and it, it stunts the flow of the offense. And so even though you can do that when you don't, if you're relying on it too much, I think it inhibits your ability to do really anything else on offense. Absolutely. Um, how many games do you think Boston can push the Warriors to if these two teams make me in the finals? If Boston needs the Warriors in the finals? Yes. Uh, I think if it was just straight on, based on personnel, I would say they can push it to five. But because they have Brad Stevens, I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow managed to get to a game seven. So I don't think oh. they would win. I, I just I think they have the the wing the size and the strength on the wing on the perimeter with Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Marcus Morris among a couple other guys to switch effectively on Golden State, which is ex, ex, you know it's exceedingly necessary against a team with that much shooting and that much talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think the 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 discipline they play with would be something that Golden State would struggle with at times because I think they're used to teams trying to meet them at an athletic level, trying to, you know, be as explosive as they are on, on offense or as aggressive as they are on defense. So I think Boston would stick to their fundamentals and exploit mismatches when they come up, but not try to force the issue, which is the kind of thing I think you need when you're playing a team as talented and explosive as Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's going to be able to touch Durant, though. I mean, I don't think they have anybody that's tall enough to really block him. It's also kind of funny to see on national TV that Marcus Morris is somehow known as a defensive player. In Phoenix, he was like, whatever. <laughs> no one yeah, didn't try at all. Neither of the brothers really tried in Phoenix. And it it kind of reminds me when uh, old, this is a kind of old, old throwback reference when Ruben, Ruben Patterson was calling himself the Kobe stopper. It's like, <laughs> it's like I, you know, he wasn't exactly like the most tenacious defensive player in any given game. And I guess you can get up for a particular matchup and, and you know show what you're capable of when you actually are putting 100% effort into it. But I, I don't know. I, I've heard before that Marcus Morris does have decent, you know, statistical numbers defending LeBron, but never thought of Marcus Morris as exactly like a Luke and Bob Mute type of defender. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to transition because there's too much Sun stuff that I'm too excited about. Um, Will P 
pivot. So I think that there are some significant, like if you've been listening to Zach Lowe podcast and other ones, there's this summer is going to be absolutely bonkers in terms of there's just so many teams that need to blow it up or need to change uh, directions, even if they aren't going to challenge the Warriors or anything. Um, so I think that there's some definitely some things where LeBron could, um, if Houston goes down and uh, the Cleveland goes down, there is a scenario where LeBron goes to Houston. And uh, there was a hypothetical I was thinking of last night just popped in my head that the Suns could go get Kevin Love and Clint Capella and kind of there would be um, it would be advantageous for them and for the franchises that they're going after if if LeBron goes to Houston and they won't have the money for Capella probably um, and then the Suns can get him um, and help facilitate that trade maybe make it a three way trade of some kind um, and also go get Love. I see. So, so then Phoenix would probably have to make a a max or near max offer to Capella and restrictive free agency. Yes, yes. And if if yeah, so so it wouldn't obviously be a three way trade for Capella because he's maybe it's some weird kind of sign and trade. But if somehow, obviously, this I'm, this is definitely hypothetical last night. But you get Kevin Love to Phoenix, you get Capella to Phoenix, you send out as much cash. I mean, you're sending out in this, you're sending out Chris Warren, maybe one or two firsts. And maybe the contract to Chandler and or Knight for filler to make it work. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. Exactly. So obviously, this is this is all very like definitely very hypothetical. But there would be something right. there along with what I don't know how right. I haven't right. mentioned yet. The f- number one pick in the draft, first time in franchise so, history. So I was going to say, getting Love and Capella obviously would then mean that Phoenix in this scenario, assuming they keep the number one pick, is getting Doncic. Yeah, I would say Donich. I've been on the Donich train for the whole time anyway. I've been, in the last week or so, increasingly towards Aiton a little bit, but I just think that in this NBA, Donich is going to be more impactful. And I was also thinking, if you get Donich, Booker, Jackson, you will not have a bad offensive play for 10 years. Like, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a pretty dynamic 1-2-3 setup. Um, if you're through loving there, that makes things even more interesting. And Capella's always a lob threat, so he he adds some value there too. I mean, there's, there's a lot to consider there. It is it is a big you know hypothetical contingent on uh, LeBron obviously deciding to leave Cleveland, which if things keep going the way they are going, I don't think that's going to be a huge shocker to anyone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. just concerned. I'm just concerned about going all in. Like the, those types of moves, in my mind, are the types of moves teams make. When they've spent one, two, three years, four years making moves and taking steps that put them in a position to make a deal like that, that makes them not just a playoff team, but a favorite to do something significant. Mm-hmm. And I just think Phoenix is towards the back end of like that kind of, mm. you know, shift in direction. Like, unless you are a believer in like Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, and, and guys like that, if they stay. Um, being the type of guys that are rotation NBA players and impactful players above average or even better, I just I, I I don't know if I would go all in that aggressively with this roster as it is right now. I think I'd be more inclined to build organically, preserve cap space, mm-hmm. um, you know, go with one year deals on veterans and just kind of wait for these guys like, like Philly did, wait for these guys to collectively take that step together. And then once they're able to do that, see how far you can get, and then 
like Philly now, see what you can add in free agency through tra- or through trades. Yeah, there is definitely something to be said for somewhat going slower, though McDonough was said they're going to be very aggressive. you got to get Booker to be happy with everything. You're going to give him, I think, before uh, October, you have to give him the um, the max uh, rookie extension. Um, so we're talking, if I remember right, that's $150 million over five years or whatever it is. Um, that, I, I don't know the exact numbers on that, but that is a, I, I would like Devin Booker. That's a lot of money. He is, that is a, special. He is special, special, though. He is special. How, how old is he now? Twenty one. He doesn't turn twenty two yeah. until October, and he's already. Yeah, so he's. Still, so he's I think he's. I think it's. He's younger than Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, and he's already played three years, and he's already scored seventy points in a game. He's already. I mean, if you look up his like averages, I looked it up the other day. His twenty four four and four, which is not. He was higher than that, but twenty four four and four. There's only nine players last year that had that. All of them were all stars except for Booker. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's a, a great stat line. My, my concern is, is thinking about putting too much stock into that. Like I, I thought Tyreek Evans was going to be like a, a not superstar, but a really like an all-star type mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Because uh, his rookie season, he was like twenty-five-five and five, and he yeah. was the first player to do that since I don't remember who. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was maybe Magic. Probably. And I was like, and but then he just his game kind of plateaued for a while. Injury mm-hmm. set in. Not, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Booker at all. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't. But I, mm-hmm. I get I, I get a little hesitant when um, the the you know we we get too hyped up about something like 25, five and five for example. Mm-hmm. It's more also it's also it's combined with the ones of you want look at he's let's see here when you look at the people who have done what he's done by his age it's only basically always Durant, LeBron, Melo, and. Uh, that's pretty much it. the company he, and Tracy McGrady or something is always the company that he's in for doing what yeah. he's done at his age. It's just okay. kind of amazing. And it's his the, the intangibles around him is the things that you you put it stock into for sure. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. He's, he's a heck of a player. My, mm-hmm. my question to you is, is he, I think he can be a little divisive in terms of people's perception of like just how good he is or can be. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you block out or do you buy into any of what people you know, NBA Twitter can get can get um, you know a little riled up over these debates. Uh, do you buy into any of the people who say like Devin Booker is just like tops out at like a you know above average to really good player, not really star level or superstar level? When I I watch pretty much most every game he's played in his life um, in in the NBA, I've watched most of them, and I don't I see star stuff from him. I see. The leadership qualities, the tenacity on defense, so many things. If he's playing with above-average talent, which he has not had yet, I mean, if he's playing with, if he's on, say, if he's on Utah, they're doing at least as well as they did with Donovan Mitchell, if not better. Um, I mean, and so, like, he just has, I mean, if you're watching, he has no shooters to to throw to. He's getting double-teamed every single possession and still putting up these numbers. And he's creative. He can. He, he. He's. I think he and Harden are the only ones averaging the same uh, number of threes and free throws in a game. It was through the regular season. It was like the two of them. And so there's I mean, things that he does where it's like I think I see more than just the average player. Yeah, I mean his offensive arsenal is insane. I mean he, he he's just he's pretty damn hard to stop once he gets it going. So I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer in his game. Yeah, I, I do want to see a little bit more from him defensively, but he's mm-hmm. so young. That in four years maybe he's you know a little bit like uh, more developed in terms of his physical stature and muscle mm-hmm. and 
yeah. and is able to kind of uh, block guys on the perimeter on their way to the basket a little bit more than he does now. Because there are times when I'm watching him, and a guy will get right around him, and I'm just like, oh man, that, that's he's he's not certainly a level. Of- He's certainly improved it this year. Um, when he's not having to do all the offense, it'll help, which is why I'm also a Donich guy. Um, because in the same sense, it's hard in needing Chris Paul. I mean, there was when people were injured, you have Booker having to do all of it. Plus, he was injured most of this this last year. I think he played 54 games, if I remember correctly. Um, you reminded me. You reminded me of something. I'm I'm a little upset with him because. Yeah. <laughs> I needed I needed a little extra firepower on my fantasy team going into the championship <laughs> the last two weeks the championship two weeks uh, shoot off and uh, I took a chance on bringing him in thinking oh, okay you know even if he misses two to three games you know having him in the last week will be big and he just it just kept burning me oh every, no like every day every day like thirty minutes before lineups just said oh you know reports are he's not going to play this game oh you know he's not going to play I'm like oh, oh no it was, it was brutal yeah like and I, I needed. And I needed a little extra firepower because I lost Joel Embiid and he was anchoring my team, so um, I was disappointed by that. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? So, are you, are you a Eaton or Donich guy in general? Oh man, for, here, it's kind of split. It's hard to say. Um, for Phoenix, I actually think Aiton makes sense. Um, but in turn, if I was just starting a franchise, I think I'd go uh, Donich because I think I think he's that type of guy who fits the modern league really well mm-hmm. and um while I want to see a little bit more um watch a little bit more footage of him before I make a like I say definitively one or the other I just his ability to get on transition his ability to make plays for others make plays for himself his shot is really good his athleticism isn't otherworldly but it's there he's mm-hmm. played against professionals uh leading up to the draft for a few years unlike other, these other prospects so he, he can probably compete at a higher level sooner than these other guys I think he's the type of guy that could be like a franchise-changing player, whereas Aiton has that ability too, especially considering his his perspective abilities on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Aiton's a safer pick. I think Doncic is more of a like swing for the fences, could be superstar type of pick. Really? Because I don't see Aiton as such a defensive stalwart. Like I think it's kind of a the Suns have they have. Um, the small forward and, and 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 shooting guard locked up with Booker and Jackson. Like you're not those are that's your core. So you have the center and point guard open for whoever is there. So it's kind of like who can you get? Like if you do get um, Aiton, then you got to have a point guard that's equal or better than what Donich could be if you're going to go the other way around and say get Donich and Capella or something. So it's like yeah, but I, I would think get? of it this way. I would think of it this way. Think of like um, Utah with Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert. Um, would it be easier to replace Rudy Gobert or Ricky Rubio? Well, I think I mean Donuts is going to be better than Ricky Rubio. Well, but but my point is is that if let's say Aiton turned out to be a, a Rudy Gobert level defensive player with more offensive game, don't you think Phoenix could go out in free agency and pick up a guy like I'm not, I'm not going to say Eric Bledsoe because he's <laughs> obviously he's been he's been in Phoenix and he doesn't look quite that good these days. But you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. there's a big crop of point guards that you can go to and get. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there aren't centers as well. I mean, DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan could be a free agent this offseason. Oh, please, no. I'm not well, a DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying him. I'm just saying, like, you know, every every year there's, like, one or two centers. Mm-hmm. 
that that are like the type of center that can yeah. perspectively change the way you play defense and anchor a defense. Whereas point guards, it's like, well, who who amongst these five to ten point guards do do you think we should get? Whether they're veterans or or young guys who haven't had a chance to uh, make any huge impact, like Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, both yeah. are perspectively available this off season. But you don't want Marcus, for Boston. You don't want Marcus Smart starting, do you? Do you think? Uh, I I don't think he's not my first choice. If I yeah. if I can get someone else, I probably want Marcus Smart coming off my bench. But he's he's actually one of the hardest guys to peg in terms of his free agent value yeah. out of anyone. So it's it's hard to say. If, if Marcus Smart is hitting jump shots, he's he's a hell of a player. Um, otherwise, he he's kind of capped out at that energy defensive, um, like Tas- Tasmanian Devil type, like you said. Yeah. He's he's all over the place. But if you don't have to guard him on the three point line, that that kind of diminishes his value, just like I mean, does for Rubio. He's someone I definitely want the Suns to look at him. Um... Uh, Danny Green or um, the guy in Philly, the oh gosh, the backup shooting guard, or uh, oh Marco Bellinelli? No, the the other one. Sorry, the, maybe the starting shooting guard. Or you talking about Redick? You talking about JJ Redick? No, small forward. The he's he was the only guy during the, the whole process. I forgot his name right now. Um, he's drafted. Anyway. I'm blank. I'm blanking right Me now. Too. Sorry. That's okay. Me too. Somehow. Um, Robinson. No, that's. Are you talking about Robert Covington? Yes, Robert Covington. Yes, Robert Covington. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of um, three of them. If they grab one of three of them. But if DeAndre, if DeAndre Ayton is a defensive stalwart, then I'm okay with going him instead of Donich. I just am not convinced of that yet. Um, I just they, they say physical freak who doesn't necessarily have the passion and like, whoo. That would be rough if it was if he was somebody that I don't know. And yeah, I think I think I think his his ceiling maybe isn't as high, but his floor should be pretty solid. Like you're not going to get. I don't think you're going to end up with a guy who can't produce. I think you're just going to end up with a guy who maybe doesn't meet all of your expectations. And I think that's the worst case scenario for him, which is not bad. Not not bad. So I, the crazy thing I was saying the that this, this summer is going to be crazy. The Blazers, uh, Raptors, and Matt and. Uh, and the Wizards could all maybe blow things up. There's a potential, obviously, we're talking super hypothetical. I'm just trying to think about how things could go. Um, there's a potential yeah. if you get Aiton, you can if you can somehow get Lillard, Wall, or Lowry. There's something there, but I'm not saying that's even probable. Yeah, I don't. You know, that's the thing. I guess I don't think about Phoenix in the sense. And you're right. First off, you're right. There's a lot of teams that are really good, but maybe aren't in that category of elite that need to consider breaking things up or making significant moves. So I think we are going to see some crazy trades happen this off season, but um, I just, I don't, maybe, maybe it's because I don't follow Phoenix quite as much as you do. Mm-hmm. So I follow, you know, quite a bit is I just don't think of them as a team that's like on the cusp of making, making that huge trade. That's going to like get them like, it's just, you know, to a top four seed in the Western conference. Maybe, maybe they make those deals because it makes sense in the long term as well. Like yeah. we're a young guy. Like, if, have- I'm not saying I'm, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, like, DeRozan's young enough where if they wanted to make a deal for him because he's, in two years or three years, they think their young core is going to be good enough to have, be, like, a team that's anchored around him. Sure. But DeRozan, but, like, you're really not getting DeRozan. Booker well, there, that's, so. that's, 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 that's just an example of a guy who may be available oh, who's okay. not, like, who's not, like, 29 years old or a year. How old is DeRozan? He's still young. I think he's, like, 28 or something, but... No, he's, I thought he was, like, 27. But maybe, around uh, my point being... A star player who's actually, for for tangible reasons, is available. It's mm-hmm. not just like, oh, we're gonna go get 
you know, this player who's actually not – like someone who's rough, reasonably available, yeah. isn't too old, has a few more years of their athletic prime still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go – you can make a trade for them. But even a guy like Kevin Love, I'm, you know, I'm thinking he's he's physically maybe not as capable as he used to be. Yeah. Um, he's still a great shooter, obviously, and a good player to have. But in two to three years, when I think Phoenix would, you know, on the short end, be ready to compete at the highest level, assuming everything goes right, I don't know, like Kevin Love is going to be that guy anymore. So, yeah, but, that, but, but that's yeah. the kind of thing that I, I would give more thoughts to as the off season goes on, or you know, starts. Obviously, we're still not there yet. Yeah. The, um, reason, the reason I say that is because they have as many assets as almost any other team to do it for young assets and stuff. I mean, Celtics still have a bunch of assets, but then we're we're at the point of Tatum and Brown that I'm not sure they have the assets because they want to keep Tatum and Brown. But I mean, in any kind of Kawhi Leonard trades or anything, they some have. So much to give. They have two, well, two first round picks plus 31 this year. They have two heat picks coming up as well as their own through every year and tons of young players. So I think they just have a lot that people want. Um, and then st- something to build around as well. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're, you're right that they have the type of assets or players that could get them into the mix, especially if they're willing to part ways with guys who have shown that they're talented but maybe are behind in their development curve um, in terms of what people expected at this point. So mm-hmm. if they're willing to include Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris mm-hmm. or one of those, you know, some someone like that into a trade along with a pick, maybe they can convince someone to send back some really high-quality players mm-hmm. for or whatever it may be that they're getting back. But like, what um, do you think – what do you think Warren, Chris, and a first rounder next year would get? That's tough. What's um what's the annual uh contract rate on for Warren? Oh, uh, four year deal, right? I think it's it was fifty million four years. So that's a pretty reasonable contract, especially if you believe in Warren's ability to continue improving. Um, so is Warren a future a future first than Chris? You said. Yeah, next uh, 2019 first. Warren and Chris. Uh, I'm struggling to think of who would be available that Phoenix would actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that I enough for Kevin Love if LeBron leaves or no? Say it again? Is that enough for Kevin Love if LeBron leaves or no? Because, like, I mean, it's the Paul George and the trades that we've seen recently, the stars go for less than we think sometimes. I, I think, I mean, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but my instant reaction is if if I'm Cleveland, if I'm running the uh, the Cavaliers and LeBron left, and I don't, I'm not trying to like do some kind of like weird like like get Paul George to like fill his spot and like keep moving forward with this group and blowing it up. Yeah, I would probably trade Love for, for that package unless I get something better. Mm-hmm. First round picks are going are extremely valuable now. Mm-hmm, if you yeah. leave Marquise Chris, he could become a really good player. He's still extremely like very very young mm-hmm. and has room to improve. And yeah, and. And uh, Warren, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of his game. I think that there's some holes there. His three-point 